This is Poetry on the Move, Winter Readings. In this episode, Oz Hardwick. Welcome to these special editions of Poetry on the Move, featuring poetry readings from 2018's festival. Oz Hardwick is a writer, photographer, music journalist and occasional musician based in York in the UK. He has published six poetry collections, most recently The House of Ghosts and Mirrors, and has edited and co-edited several more, including with Miles Salter, the Valley Press Anthology of Yorkshire Poetry, which was a National Poetry Day recommendation in 2017. I'm going to read... Four poems, I think. Um, I'm going to give myself nine minutes. And I'm known for rambling, so um, it may be fewer than four. But I'm going to begin with a poem called Station. Time was I'd fall asleep on trains, wake up with a hangover to find myself three, four, ten towns beyond my destination. I'd arrive home hours late, unsure where I'd been. After a time, I started waking up in strange houses, sometimes on a sofa, sometimes in a bed, once in a large white room full of silence and flowers. It was a knack I had. Now I rarely wake up at all, sleeping across whole countries as strangers try to ignore me, bustling about their days. A friend thought she once saw me nodding through smeared railway glass in a flat West Country summer, but neither of us could be sure. Um, Now we'll do the thank yous. Uh, And it's lovely to have this thing because in the absence of my cat, I've sat stroking this. It's a beautiful thing and I love my cat, but this is almost a substitute. Um, although it's not ginger, which would have made it. But um, I'd like to thank uh, a couple of people at this stage. And one of them is Paul Hetherington. For, I went to something in uh, York, where I live, and I saw there was a, a, an international writing event going on. That was, it, was, it was tiny when I turned up. I was expecting people from all over the world. But luckily, there were, there were people from uh, Australia, including Paul, who I got talking to after, and managed to inveigle myself into the prose poetry group. And the only reason I went to this event was that there was something on prose poetry, which I knew nobody who actually cared about this at all. And, and so it's, it's been lovely for the past, I think, two and a half years to be involved in that. And so the, the people behind this book are the people that, essentially, I send spam emails most days involving prose poems. And, and they're kind about it. And, and some of them are in here. Um, but also, I'd, I'd particularly like to thank Shane, of course, as, as the publisher, and also Paul Munden, who invited me to be a part of the, uh, the Vice-Chancellor's Poetry Prize judging and to come over here. And it's, it's a phenomenal pleasure and, and a real honour to, to be here. Um, I'm going to read three more, unless I run out in rambling in between. Uh, This is called Crafts from the Home, and it's about 
It's about sifting through things in a house when your parents are dead, but you might not know that if I didn't tell you. For, year, for a year or so in the 60s, every home had at least one jar covered in shells, pressed into putty by their kids' thumbs. Some were vases, ours held pencils. I don't remember the last time I sharpened a pencil, but though it's too late for Christmas and it's not my birthday, you give me a pencil sharpener shaped like a fox. I'll pin it to the wall like the most famous work in a gallery, sell reproductions and postcards to queues of tourists, print a leaflet on its provenance. And tonight I'll sculpt a gift for you, my empty ribcage studded with stars. New Arctanis, Sema Arctanis. It'll hold umbrellas for a year or so, then vanish who knows where. That was written for a friend of mine called Amina Alyal, who I do a lot of work with, who's one of the three people who are phenomenally good friends to whom this book is dedicated, the others being Hannah Stone, who's a, a, one of the first MAs I taught. She was one of the students, and she's gone on to produce prize-winning poems and you know, prize-winning um but also work of real depth and interest and the other is miles salter who was mentioned in the introduction as someone who uh i sort of like i helped him along earlier on when he was starting to write poetry but we do a lot of work together and editing work and also sort of musical stuff as well we we two-thirds of a of a sort of a folk rock band as well. And, um, and it's all great fun. And so that was to them. And I'd like to do another one about sort of crafts. And this is about origami, and, which has always fascinated me because I love paper, which is why it's nice to feel this work here because I read a lot online, but actually it's, it's not the same, is it? It doesn't smell the same. So this is called origami. And it's for my wife. As you fold the sheets, it reminds me of the great origami craze of 68, 69. Wherever you went, there were people folding squares into something or other, frogs that hopped when you tapped them with a pencil, lotuses that opened to reveal Shiva delicately balanced and winking. Some days the air was so thick with planes you had to fold bell-like umbrellas to keep their sharp noses at bay. On rainy days, gutters would become armadas of frigates and galleons, each bristling with guns that pinged matchsticks off passing traffic. Origami was primetime entertainment. There were special live broadcasts at breakfast time from the World Championships in Mexico City, and soaps would end on a seemingly impossible crease, leaving the nation anxiously awaiting the outcome the following evening. A surgeon won the Nobel Prize for the first successful origami heart, and when those gloved astronaut hands planted the first origami stars and stripes on the moon, the whole world held its breath and watched. You, being those few years younger, don't remember it, but the way you fold the pillowcases, sharp edge to sharp edge, could have stopped paper clocks. <clears throat> and finally, because I haven't waffled too much, um, 
The first poem I read was called Station, and there's a lot of sort of uh, doubling and paralleling in here. And this is towards the end, and it's called To Station, and it sort of brackets that particular section, and it's like origami in a way, the book folds in. So when the doors close, that's it, the end of everything. Whether there's a new beginning or not, I've never made plans and it's too late to start now, so I begin by listing my assets. Credit card, debit card, £48.67 in cash, along with a few euros from a recent holiday. The clothes I'm sitting down in, all my own teeth, a remnant of my hair, a few extra pounds I've never managed to shift and have just got used to, and a tall maybe two foot or perhaps a touch more, domed cage in which is perched a canary. The train's pretty crowded, so I have to hold the, carriage, the cage on my lap, which means looking at the woman opposite through twinned bars. It's like she's visiting me in prison, and I wonder if she has a file in a cake or perhaps a confession of an affair that nobody wanted to happen, but it did, and she tried to wait for me, but she couldn't, and it breaks my heart, but I can't blame her, and I can't hold back my sobbing anymore, and she leans forward. She looks at the canary, and then at me, and I see that she's crying too. And so is everyone in the carriage, and the ticket collectors weeping and handing out tissues with neat holes clipped in each corner, and the canary is singing like I've never heard before. Thank you. This has been Poetry on the Move. I'd like to thank our guest, Oz Hardwick. This podcast is made possible by IPSI, the International Poetry Studies Institute, and the Centre for Creative and Cultural Research, Faculty of Arts and Design at the University of Canberra. My name is Shane Strange. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.